Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of this fine program, you can always give me a call on the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. The last call I got was from a listener to tell me that on one of my stories that uh, it was a story about why there are three different uh, school zones around this one school as all these uh, different roads have the different school zone speed limits. Well, long story short, uh, all the speed limits on these major roads were all different. And so basically you take it down about 15 miles an hour. So 45 becomes 30. 40 becomes 25, and that's how they they dealt with all of that. Well, just down the road, there's another school that also has a school zone right next to this uh, public school. And she said, well, I I think that school ever since the COVID deal uh, is now closed. And, and, well, it's not because I called them and they have have a school there. But she was pretty adamant that it was – that it was closed, and and I I didn't call her back to say, well, ma'am, it, it it's not closed. And then she called back and said, well, I figured out that it's not closed. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, anyway, if you have a story like that, you can always call it uh, into the listener hotline there at 303-832-0217. On a whole separate subject, I think we have all rented a car, right? Mainly you do it when you're traveling, and you have to book the car, Usually it's pretty expensive, especially recently. And when you get to your destination, usually by an airport, you have to find the area in the airport where the traditional rental car companies are stationed. You wait in line unless you're one of the gold members where you can go right out to the car. Then maybe you have to get on a shuttle bus. You get in the car and then off you go. But sometimes you might need to rent a car locally, right? Let's say your car is wrecked and you need to get around while it's being worked on or you just live locally and you need you don't you don't really own a car but you want to have a car to get around and there are some services like that well a couple of guys got together and thought there has got to be a better way and what they came up with is a service called kite spelled k y t e joining me now from germany to talk all about how kite works and how the company could disrupt and possibly replace the traditional car rental model is francesco vitamin He's a co-founder of Kite. Francesco, thanks so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me here. All right. So since I'm talking to you from Germany, I want to ask you about comparing, because you've lived in the United States. You obviously live in Germany now. Uh, I I want you to compare, if you would, driving in Germany to the United States. I I always find it interesting to hear how it's different. Is Is it totally different to drive there compared to here, or is it more same than different? It is not completely different. No, it's not. But there are some things that are actually uh, actually different. I would say, like, I mean, one thing is, like, uh, the stop signs, right? Like, in the U.S., you have stop signs all around on all sides of the, of yep. the crossing. And in Germany, we, we rarely have them. We normally, like, tend to have these roads that are either they have a traffic light or it's, like, a rule of, the person coming from the right side has way of right. So you always look to the right. If there's someone, they are going first. And so that's like one rule that is very different. That is fascinating. That is, that's like driver roulette. I mean, it really is. You don't know who's going to go where. And I mean, maybe you would work in an autonomous environment where the cars are talking to each other, but people rarely do that while they're driving. (laughs) That is correct. Yes. (laughs) Very interesting. I also read that you have a Guinness world record uh, in what riding a well riding a wheelie right that is correct yeah it's it's been a long time ago but uh, back in the days when I was a little bit more fit um, <laughs> I used to pop a wheelie on a on a bicycle and uh, I figured out that uh, at, at some day that, that there is this Guinness World Record for the longest bicycle wheelie within one hour and so I thought about yeah, why not try to hit that? Right? It was like a long time ago, but uh, break it out. Do you still have it? Did somebody break it since then? Um, I I kept it for like several years. I think like five, six years I, I held it. And then there was like some time with like three years there. Like there were like a bunch of folks like matching each other, bumping each other up. And so now it's like way out of my league. So I'm, I will not try it. <laughs> 
Well, I, we'll talk more specifics about Kite in just a minute, but I want to get a little bit into your background about this service and, and how you came up with it. And you have a degree in industrial engineering from MIT, you know, a pretty prestigious university where you have to be uh, fairly smart to get into there. And, and you used to work as a product manager for BMW Mobility Services before starting Kite. Is that where you sparked the idea in your mind for this type of a service? Yes, um, I think like it was like partially like in there. I mean, we are three co-founders, right? So we we all developed this idea together, really. Um, but um, I think like the the insights that that I brought in from like spending parts of my masters at MIT and and uh, working on autonomous um, uh, tricycles there and and car sharing, and then later on like launching car sharing for BMW mobility services in the US. Um, and, and in China, working on ride sharing and car sharing together. Like, like I think like my perspective on this was like, there has to be a better way to give people access to cars. And uh, there are a couple of attempts, right? And in the future, it will be easier in a way with autonomous cars that can just like come to you uh, without a driver and you sit in there and then it takes you to two places, right? Like wherever you want to go. But before that, even before that, like car sharing is one way of doing it. Uh, it's a very unprofitable way of doing it. Um, so that's why like, like all the, the, the players that like in Europe, is, this is very common actually in, in the US, we have Zipcar, right? As the major player, um, like th they all have like their struggles of, of becoming profitable and, and also gaining mass, uh, mass adoption because, um, like from a user perspective, you still have to get out of your way and, and find that car sitting somewhere uh, at some parking lot or somewhere on the street um, in, before you can start your trip. And so like we, we like as we got together, right, like me with that experience, um, my co-founder Nikolaus with his experience from Uber um, and then my, my other co-founder Ludwig with his experience from McKinsey and working with like all different kinds of mobility companies, like you're like, there has to be a better way of doing this. And so uh, we, we set out to deliver cars on demand for any trip longer than a ride share. And so that's like our mental model, our, our framework of thinking about like how to enable people and, and kind of like unlock uh, more freedom to go places for people. Did you three, uh, well, did you three know each other before you started this company or did you talk about it? Or did you just kind of say, I have this idea and you just ran into these, is it like the Beatles where you just kind of live with each other? What's the relationship? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we, we met before before starting Kite um, and we actually had a very intense uh, like first couple of uh, years, I would almost say, where we lived together, like, I mean, we started this in, in San Francisco, right, like three German dudes um, living in San Francisco, um, and uh, it, it, this is like super expensive, of course, right, and, and um, so what we did is we actually um, decided to live in a garage um, for a couple of months. A when garage? We in a garage, literally a garage. There was no car in that garage, but just like beds, right? <laughs> and uh, it was like raining inside in winter. Uh, it was like a, quite, a, quite an intense experience, uh, but it was worth it, right? Because you had this, uh, this vision and, and ambition to uh, build something game-changing, and, um, and that's what, what drove us there. That's amazing. Uh, you know, asking the question, as I'm speaking with Francesco Vitamin, co-founder of Kite, uh, you can find them at drivekite.com. I'll have the contact info information at the uh, description of the show. Asking that question, what makes Kite different from the traditional rental car companies it's really way too big to lay out in that kind of just a broad question like that. So let's try to break it down in parts. I think you said this, that Kite delivers cars on demand for all trips longer than an Uber ride. Is that really the best way to describe what Kite does? Yeah, I think so. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> well, you said it. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it's interesting because one of our morning anchors, our uh, morning female anchors, uh, Nicole Brady, she was looking for a rental car and, and she has her car that's being worked on. It was wrecked and she mm -hmm. needed some way to get around while it's being repaired. 
And so she was looking for something less expensive than the traditional rental car companies, found you folks online, and then she keeps talking about how great it is that she can just use the app and do everything that she really needs to. So is this designed for those people who just uh, need a car for a little while, for a people who don't want to own a car at all? I mean, who is it really designed for? Yes, um, I, I think that's uh, she's a she's a very like good target customer um, of ours and, and kind of a typical customer. Um, many of, of our of our users um, stumble upon Kite when they search for a traditional rental car, right? Like, and there are different reasons for why people need a car, a rental car. Um, and then, like once they once they use us once, uh, there's typically this aha moment of like this experience being really different from any other rental car experience they ever had before where you know like you sit at home like you you basically like get ready for your trip and and then like the 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 door ring bells and you get handed over this key of like a 20 30 40,000 car um, instead of like a pizza right and so um, it's it's kind of like a mind blowing moment for for many of our users um, to to get handed over this key at, at their door um, and then like get to go wherever they want to go for however they long want they 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 want to keep the car right so some people use Kite for a day for a couple of days for like a weekend um, or a couple of weeks so so we have all of it. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What you're describing is how Kite is delivered because you don't have a traditional to- storefront at all. You, you know, it's not That's like right. we're going to a Hertz or a Avis or a budget where you can go to the physical location like at an airport and then go pick up the car. These cars are brought to you. Describe how that works. Yes, that's exactly right. So basically how, how a typical booking looks like is you go either on our website, drivekite.com, as you said, K-Y-T-E, or you go to the App Store and download our app, the Kite app, and you sign up, you like enter the details of when you want to get this car delivered, where you want to get it delivered, and that's really it like you verify online and so like you just like we have like some like driver's license check basically online so you upload a picture of that um and then at the right time um this we call them kite surfer uh, we have like delivery partners uh, that are like 1099 contractors that are delivering these cars right and so we call them kite surfers this kite surfer shows up um, at the right place at the right place at the right time um, with the right car. And uh, so we think like one thing that some people uh, sometimes ask is like, what kind of cars do you have, right? And so um, we we decided early on that we want to like deliver a better experience um, and a reliable experience. And so um, we decided to go with like new cars, right? So it's not like a peer-to-peer model or anything. No, like Kite owns these cars. Uh, it's reliable cars that are professionally maintained, and we bring them to your door. I want to get back to the surfer question in just a little bit, but you brought up the fleet of cars, and it's not like you own the cars. Those traditional rental car agencies have their own cars. They own them. They buy them from the manufacturers and then hold on to them and then later on sell them. You are actually using other fleets to rent out so they hold the cars and you don't even have to worry about it, right? That's right. That's exactly how we how we started out. And now we are, though, transitioning more and more towards actually also like a, a traditional model where, where we where we own the cars um, just because we realized that we have more control over the quality. Um, right. Like like there are things that like can happen during a trip. And we want to ensure that we have full control uh, over the, the whole like journey of the customer and so uh, that's why we have more and more cars um, ourselves now yeah i was going to ask you about that because that that is the one way you can control the experience because if you are renting out somebody else's car you don't have the quality control of their uh, ownership and so they might treat a vehicle differently than you would want a vehicle treated or would want your customers to experience that vehicle Yes, that's exactly right, right? And so like there's this 
this physical aspect of the car needing to be like maintained really well. Um, but also there's the, the digital aspect, right? So, or, or more of like the service aspect during a trip. So one thing that is unique to Kite, again, like compared to other like more traditional services is that we have a chat feature where during your trip, whenever you have like any question, like be it around the car, around like the trip, like you might want to extend for a couple of hours or so, like you can just like start a, uh, start a chat with us and uh, and we are there to help you in any of, uh, of these situations. It's interesting uh, that you're now using your own cars. I did read too, and I was going to touch on this later, but it reminded me right now that you are also not just doing the rentals, but now you're going to start getting into leasing where you can actually lease a Tesla from you guys. That's yeah, that's, that's almost uh, correct. Um, it's not leasing. That's uh, that's the one big difference. Uh, it's a subscription. And okay. so what does that mean? Uh, a subscription means that you have more flexibility than with a traditional lease. Uh, normally, leases are like you know like three-year leases, right? So you you like set on one car and you keep it for three years. And what we've realized is that like nowadays, um, with like all the uncertainty that is that is around, um, uh, people want more and more flexibility. And so we want to kind of fill that gap for like people that do not want to commit to a three-year lease. And they need a car longer than a couple of weeks, right? So, so this gap um, we call subscriptions. And yes, we have uh, provided uh, Tesla subscriptions here. Um, so we kind of offer Tesla's like kind of ownership, right? Like you can keep it for a couple of months, like a month to twelve months long. Um, but you don't have all the pains um, of like maintenance, like lock-in of long lock-in uh, periods. You get it delivered to your door. If there's anything, like we, um, uh, we, we come pick it up and so on and so forth. Well, me owning an electric vehicle for the last dozen years or so, there's very little maintenance on electric cars. So you really that's not really a big deal. Um, it's not like you're leasing out a, a Toyota Camry or something that might need a little, you know, the oil changes every three months. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. One of the advantages of electric cars. Is is it just do you want to lease out the electric cars and promote those, or you just don't want to get into uh, more varied cars, whether it would be a Corolla or a pickup truck or an SUV or something like that? Yeah, we we started with electric cars for for this product segment um, because we we know like this is the future. Um, we also like we want to like gain more. Um, fleet um, fraction of electric cars, higher, higher fraction of electric cars in our fleets, and and so this was a perfect opportunity for um, yeah for for starting out this uh, this new subscription service with Tesla. My guest is Francesco Viterman. He is the co-founder of the company called Kite K Y T E. He's at drivekite.com. Where where did the name Kite come from? It's Maybe a little bit boring, but uh, we did a long brainstorming session in the beginning, and we uh, uh, we, we had some like a couple of parameters that we wanted to optimize for. Um, one of them is that uh, it had to be like something related with like mobility, right? Freedom, like we enable people like f to have more freedom to go places, and so. Um, and then like movement. And, and so that's where like kite is a good like reflection of that, right? Like a, a kite in the sky uh, is kind of like a, a symbol for, for some freedom. Uh, you can think of a kite landing in front of your door with like the car magically appearing in front of your door. So there are some similarities. And then also like one, um, one kind of like fun uh, side, side note was that we thought it has to be a four letter word. Just because there were like other like four letter companies in the mobility space that were like really successful at the time, Uber, Lyft, Lime, uh, Bird, and so on and so forth, like all have four letters. And we said, okay, if you want to like be on that path, like it has to be that. And uh, yeah, the, the the lucky enough, also the stock ticker is four words. So oh, there um, you go. That was not taken. Yet. Perfect. You know, we we touched on it uh, just a minute ago about. 
the customers that have these cars delivered to them. So in Nicole's case, our morning anchor, she was at our building. She got a ride into work and then called and did it all on the app and had one of the cars delivered to her by one of the surfers. It's not the first time that a company has at least tried this enterprise picks people up, but then brings them back to their traditional office where the cars are waiting. So how did you think about that idea to just be able to drop off and pick up these cars at random instead of holding them at a specific spot? So like, yeah, what, what enterprise does there for, for years already, right? Like is, is one way of like bringing some level of convenience of increased convenience to the customer. Um, you, you basically come to them in order to pick them up. In, in these days, like, I think you know, where, where Uber exists and can also like pick you up easily from anywhere and bring you anywhere, I think that like value proposition has decreased in its value. Um, and for, for us, like it was like really um, thinking more about like what is the maximum of experience, right? Like we're we're a highly ambitious team, ridiculously ambitious, and so we wanted to like rethink the way mobility can work for for trips that are longer than a ride share. And so the the ultimate convenience that you can that you can provide to customers here is really by bringing that car to the door. And today we do that uh, with with surfers, with kite surfers, right? And uh, in the future, like at some point, there will be autonomous cars, and um, they, they will like automatically, magically appear in front of people's door. Where do you find these people? What's their story? Is it is it a part time job? Are, are they full time jobs where they're just dropping off and picking up one after another? Um, yeah. It's, it's a white mix, right? Like, so these are um, contractors with Kite. So um, some of them like do like a lot of work with Kite. Others have other jobs that they, they do. Like, I think for, for like one, one advantage um, that Kite brings compared to other gig, gig jobs um, is that our trips are a little bit more planable. So like, yes, you can get a Kite within an hour in, in most of our cities. Um, but like many people for, for these kinds of trips, they know it in advance, they book a couple of days in advance. And so um, also for the, for the kite surfers, that work that is offered to them is more planable than like delivering a food delivery item that is literally like, you know, you have to be standby and wait for, for a job to come in. And, and these people, once they drop off the car, let's say I'm waiting in downtown Denver, and I'm waiting for my car to be delivered, and, and then here it is, and this person gives me the car, and I go through the checklist, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm getting in the driver's seat where they were driving, and, and I'm leaving them behind. What what do they do? How do they get back to where they want to go? What I mean, it's just what <laughs> what do they do next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good question, and um, actually. Like there are different ways, right? Like we we deliver in cities, right? So you you have to um, maybe like put that as an as an addition to the picture for for the listeners. Uh, we we won't deliver to like like some like way crazy like one uh, tiny tiny house somewhere where there's no like public transport. So like there's normally always an option for surfers to take public transport to get to wherever they want to go next. But that said. Um, most of our surfers actually get electric scooters that are foldable. And so um, they like fold them into the trunk of the car when they deliver the car, pop it out of the trunk when, when they're done with the delivery and like scoot to their next gig. That, that makes sense. That makes, that makes, because otherwise I, I would feel obligated to give them a ride to the next place. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My guest is Francisco Vitamin. He is the co-founder of Kite Kite uh, DriveKite.com. For for the users who don't own a car, or they uh, don't really need a car very often, typically they won't. If they don't have a car, they they won't have insurance on a car, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm going to rent one of your cars, there's you probably offer insurance. Uh, with them, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, all very typical, like you would with any other rental car company, right? That's correct. Yes. So um, that's just like one one thing, as you said, right? Like. 
people normally like who don't own cars or we need a car um they like don't have their own insurance and so we offer that as part of the checkout process you can select to like uh, get like the car covered get liability third-party liability coverage um and so on and so forth but yeah. most most of these rental car companies they charge a, a, a really a pretty high rate per day for this rental car coverage, uh, insurance coverage. Is that the same with you guys? Can I use my credit card coverage uh, to cover the, the, you know, the insurance? Yes. So uh, you can. Um, and that's uh, one, of the, one of the nice things, right? So if, if a credit card um, covers um, rental cars, like we fall under that definition. So our customers, and, and we even like say that, like our customers can use their credit card. I mean, of course, every credit card is different, right? So everyone like has to check uh, what the ac actual terms are of um, of their, their card, but uh, that is definitely an option. Do you have to have the same age requirements as the traditional rental car companies do? There we are. Um, we are also like on the, I would say like, um, conservative side almost like it's not not really conservative but um like there's just like yeah like our standard um age policy is like 25 uh, and above yeah. and that has to do with like like insurance like partnerships that we have as well right like there's some uh, there are some statistics around like um damages to cars related to age um that are pretty significant and so that's that's how how we structure that you mentioned that there is this service area and in Denver it's it's pretty large and it, it covers most of the metro area in a oh what a maybe a 10 mile ring north south east west around the core of the city but it, it does not include the airport is that the case for most cities you're operating in where you're where you where I wouldn't be able to pick it up at the airport or have one of the surfers drop off a car to me at the airport um yes and no so um yes in in many cities the airports are kind of an exception right like they're far outside the city sometimes they're in the city like look at la for example like there the, the airport is like in the midst of the city um so it varies from cities to city really um and what we do here is actually that we um have drop off or handover spots um, at or close to the airports and, and, and many of these airports. Um, so you can like still get a kite when you fly into that city. Uh, you might have to like take an Uber to that location, but then like you can still get the, the full convenience, right? Like there's no line, like there's no paperwork and uh, you, you just get the keys handed over. Is it just an easier transaction to do it away from the terminal or is it a airport charging you a fee to operate at the airport issue that's going on there yeah it's um it it is like a little bit of both like airports have like a lot of like traffic problems to be honest um with like just like the, the huge amount of, of people that are driving there to to get there to to get off the airport and so congestion is a, is a, is a big problem um but also like regulations are are different for each airport um, and so it's like a very like, yeah, it's an airport to airport uh, uh, kind of like setup that that we are looking at and uh, we are uh, searching and, and defining the best experience for our customers. So far, you're in about a dozen or so United States cities, I believe. Why have it, has, has it uh, taken this long to expand and why not just expand everywhere as quickly as you can? Or do you want to do it in more of a targeted uh, basis? Yeah, it's a good good question. I think like I wouldn't say it has been slow. Uh, we we have expanded pretty aggressively, and uh, in in the past, I mean, we're we're around for only three and a half years at this point as a company, and uh, you know, like growth is something that is exponential with with startups and and as it is with us. So like these things accumulate, and we'll like have times in the future where we will launch a, a lot of cities at a, a very very fast pace and um, for like for, for now like we, we want to be diligent in which cities we launch and at which pace we launch because like with every um 
like additional like city you you add like complexity um and uh, we want to ensure that we can always deliver the highest customer experience possible for all our customers i i would imagine it's a little bit more challenging because in your previous model where you were just using fleet services where you could just go to a company or a, a city find a fleet uh, that has a whole bunch of cars be able to just tap into those but as you said earlier, as you continue to try to get your own cars and control that part of the business, you you are going to take more time getting those cars, more money to buy those cars, to maintain those cars, to find a place to park them, right? Because you you wouldn't if you if you're just renting from a fleet or borrowing from a fleet, they're the ones that are, that have already found the parking spots. They're the ones that are already maintaining it. You're not having to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Um it's actually, it's not that big of a difference. So um, even if we like partnered with fleet providers, normally like we, we would create our own or find our own parking lots to operate out of. Um, and so like the difference, like from like having cars, like basically financed by others or by us, we're working with Goldman Sachs um, on, on the financing of the cars. Um, so like that, that is not a huge difference uh, in, in the way we do it. Um, but you're right. Like, you, uh, like in terms of like, um, like every city, right? Like, has an operational setup. It's it's very lightweight compared to like what other current rental companies have in a traditional sense. Because we don't need um, like in one city to cover the whole city. We don't need like five or ten locations and stores with a, a dozen of cars um, at each location. But we can just have like one lot that is kind of like centralized, right? We call them dark parking lots where they can be anywhere in the city. We have like a relatively cheap parking costs there. And then we can deliver these cars from this hub to all the, the places and locations in the city. And so that's actually like one of the, the, the cost advantages of our, of our business model as well, right? That we have the centralization of cars and, and don't need to have all these storefronts in like the middle of downtown and all the other places and areas of the city. And fewer employees. And as you said, you were, can just contract with people, surfers that will just do the job on a per job basis. That's right. That's exactly it. Yes. Uh, it, one of the problems it seems that I, that I've always found with, with renting a traditional rental car is if I'm staying in a big city, if I'm flying in, I'll, I'll rent a car, but I always cringe when I'm staying in a downtown hotel where they're asking for 30 or something dollars a night for, for parking overnight. It seems yeah. like it would be a brilliant idea to be able to take, to, to basically get a car for a day. Is that something that if I was, I, I took a, a train to the downtown area from the airport, I don't have the car right now, but the next day I want to tour the city. I have business on the other side of town. Could I call up a, a kite car and have it delivered and then just give it back later on that same day? Yes, you could. That's exactly what what actually a lot of our customers do. Like we have a good fraction of of people who get a like who travel to another city, stay at a hotel, and then we deliver that car in the morning. We deliver that to the hotel. They do their day trip, and then at the end of the day, they just get picked up again. And so it's kind of like the the best of both worlds, right? Like you get the maximum convenience um, of staying in a hotel, having access to a car for when you need it. But you, as you said, you don't have to pay for these like tremendous uh, and huge prices uh, of like parking overnight in some garage. But there's no extra charge if I want to get, if I wanted to get the same car over and over and over again on repetitive days, let's say I was going to be there for four days and I wanted this, could I have the same car for three or four days just delivered each day and then picked up each day? Um, we would not be able to guarantee you that it's exactly the same car. Uh, so you could not leave your, your stuff in the car, basically. That's what you mean. Yeah. But um, you could like book the same car class, right? And then um, and then get that delivered. We have like three um, or, or four car classes now where, where it's like an economy car. It's a sedan car. It's an SUV. Or then for winter, very relevant. We're starting to roll out all-wheel drive SUVs. And so like you could pick any of those categories and then like do that over and over again every day. 
And usually the rental car companies charge a little bit more if you're doing it that way, and they'll give you a discount if you give them business for three or four or seven consecutive days. Do you do that as well, or is it the same price whether I get it for one day, three days, seven days, 15 days? So, like generally speaking, we give um, we give discounts, and we orient ourselves here to be really competitive with traditional car rental companies. Um, so, um, like if you take a car for longer, then you pay a, a sh- like a smaller amount per day uh, on average. Um, but even if you take it for a day, right? Like it's still competitive with other options that where you would have like less convenience but a similar price. Do you sell, do you rent, um, or provide pickup trucks? There are a lot of folks that want just a pickup truck for a day to go move some furniture, to move across town, to go pick up some lumber. Is that an option as well? Not yet. It's, it's something that is, uh, it's possible, right? With our, with our platform and, uh, we might include in fleet pickup trucks in the future. Um, as of now, we have like fully focused on like the kind of like biggest, use cases and, and and the cars that are like give like the or have the highest volume of demand and so um that's something that is uh, on the road my guest is francesco Viterman. he is the co-founder of kite drive kite.com you can get all the contact information uh, and links in the description of this show whenever there is a successful venture there are always going to be copycats are you prepared for the group or company or uh, whatever that might come along to try to do this same model to copy what you've done and and maybe even take on some of the traditional car rental car companies because when when the big guys see that a little guy is being successful in in something they're not doing they tend to go steal their idea yeah and um, so the the good thing about our business is that it's a complex business, like it's inherently complex. It sounds so easy, right? Like from a, from a customer perspective, hey, you just like click a button and this car appears at your door and when you're done, then you're done and, and it gets picked up again, right? But like there's a lot of things behind the scene that, that have to happen here in order to make this a successful customer experience. And so uh, this starts with like, yeah, having and maintaining the cars. Um, and, and then it, it goes with like delivering these cars at like peak demand hours, like Saturday morning, like a lot of people want to start their trips, right? And um, delivering these cars in these moments on time in a short like time window that you want to guarantee to your customers. And so like, and so on and so forth. So there is a lot of like complexity inherently in the business. And so that's why for, for us as a company, we have like from the get-go decided that we want to combine like operations and technology into our DNA. So we call it like bits and atoms where um, the bits part is like the technology part and the atoms part is the physical aspect of our business. And we, we ingrained these two things and, and put them and merge them together um, yeah, and very well and, and, and focus on that very early on. And I think there are not very many businesses out there that have successfully done that Amazon may maybe being one of them where like Amazon is also like digital, right? They, they have like this option to buy it and buy products online and sell them for the sellers. Uh, but then also like very physically, they're like deeply integrated in the supply chain. They own warehouses, they own like cars to deliver uh, the packages and so on and so forth. So like, I think that's another example of a complex um, bits and atoms business that has done this successfully. And so getting back to your question of like, are we compare, like, are we, are we afraid of competitors? Um, we aren't. And I, I think like one, one reason is yes, it's a complex business. So it's not super easy to, to replicate in a really good quality. Um, and then two, like we are highly, highly focused on the, on the customer and highly focused on the customer experience and, and getting better there every day. And so even if there are um, uh, competitors showing up, that's okay. Like, it, we, we will focus on delivering the best quality for our, for our customers. Uh, I wonder if you've taken any uh, tips from the rental car company Sixth, where they are a German company, uh, yes. and, and they are really based on uh, trying to make car rental companies 
uh, more hip and cool and, and give that customer experience. I wonder if they rubbed off on you guys at all since you guys are all German. Yeah, I, I would say they're um, like in terms of like marketing, right? Like they are the best out of the traditional uh, current companies in, in order to like like having a really like good strategy around like positioning a car rental as something almost like sexy. Yeah, right. uh, one can say that, right? And and so I think they did a great job on on that end. Um, our approach is is a little bit different obviously right like our product is, is quite different in the way we we do it and, and the way we provide the service um but um yeah i would say they're they're good in what they do uh, i i did this story a while back where uh, i somebody asked me about why in colorado they noticed there are a lot of the traditional car rental com- companies that had like uh, cars from out of state so they'd have their car rental lot full of of cars and half of them would have plates from Utah or Texas or Oregon or wherever and it basically they're they're trying to move cars around from one place to another and that and that's that's where they can where the demand is and, and where it's not but they also suggested that the company can save a lot of money by registering a car in Texas or Florida compared to Colorado where in Colorado they charge you based on the vehicle ownership, what what the vehicle is basically worth. So, like for my cars, they've always been in the three, four, five hundred dollar range to to be registered. Well, for a car rental company like yours, if you have fifty cars, well, that's a huge amount of money that you have to put out every single year to register these vehicles and get the license plates, and you could save a lot more money if you are registering these cars in Texas or Florida or other states and then moving them across the country. Is that something that sounds like it, it, it's a plausible from a business perspective or something that uh, would, would save your, uh, a company like yours a lot of money? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too deep into the details of, um, of how we do this. Um, but on a high level, I can say that I think it, it sounds like a smart idea, right? Like generally speaking, um, we also see that our cars are moving around the country quite a bit. Uh, because they're one-way trips and it, it just like naturally happens, right? Like people take take a kite to go like west to east and, and the other way around. And so um, these cars end up uh, in, in very different places. Um, I would say like in the, in the past couple of uh, almost like years now at this point, um, with the shortage of cars, like I think most of the companies were actually more focused on getting cars like it was so difficult and still is uh, really difficult to get new cars right and and so um like we would just like take cars from from anywhere around the country where we could get them and then distribute them um, where they are needed yeah it's it's interesting because you don't offer as i understand it pure unlimited mileage do you you there's actually a mileage charge after a certain amount Yes, that's right. Um, it's very high though. Like the, the threshold here is 300 miles a day. And so like very few customers uh, go above that limit. You can purchase unlimited miles if you know that you're doing a crazy trip and, and will be like driving all day long. Um, but yeah, it's something just, just that we, we um, want to put in place to also be able to price fairly to those who do not drive that many miles. My guest is Francesco Viederman. He is the co-founder of Kite, the uh, non-traditional rental car company that will uh, bring the cars right to you and pick them up right after you're done with it. Where do you see this service going from here? Just expanding to more cities or do you see it uh, transitioning into something else, morphing into something else? Or do you like it the way it is and you just want to expand it to more locations? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So... For us, like we have uh, at this point, I think we have we have proven that there is product market fit. There is like tons of demand for the service that we're that we're providing, and uh, giving more people access to like to freedom to go places is a need that is huge, right? Like the traditional car rental industry is a hundred billion dollar industry, so it's it's like one of one of the very very big industries in the world actually, and so. Um, it is like we have we have way to go um, to to expand with that model uh, first, and 
Uh, we just raised a, a 60 million Series B um, fund, funding, right? Funding round. And uh, so that allows us to like really like one, like expand more, right? In, in, in breadth and in depth um, of our service. Um, and then of course, like to like also add more offerings in the future uh, to the service. And really, if you think about it, the next, I think autonomy is going to be farther down the road than most people think. But let's say 30 years down the road, and maybe at that point, uh, Francesco, you really don't care about the business anymore. You're going to be sitting on a beach somewhere. But let's say in 30 or 40 years, this is a good transition into that autonomous space where your cars, you already have the infrastructure, basically. You're already sending the cars to people and then picking them up. You would just eliminate the surfers. Yeah, I think they're like I'm. I'm with you that it's like TBD, right? Like when this full transition will actually happen. Um, we see some progress here these days in cities, but our use case, right, for our customers is to go outside of town, right? So out of town, and and this is like a whole different uh, ball game um, for 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 autonomous cars. Um, but. That said, like what we believe in is that there will be a, a quite long like period of uh, a transition period in a way where we have teleoperated cars. And so uh, you can imagine those cars as um, remote controlled cars in a way where, you know, you can have someone sitting in a kind of like a call center almost like it's a, a, a remote car center. Um, driving around a car that is like not having a physical driver in in that car at the time, and uh, for for that like period of time before full autonomy with teleoperated driving, we are actually like perfectly positioned to use that for our service because um, we can have like remote drivers deliver these cars right remotely. Um, and then at the moment when when the customer has taken over the car, this driver becomes available to like right away deliver the next car. And there's no like empty trip in a way going back with a scooter, for example, right? Like like surfers do it these days. Right, right. You know, it, and who said that gamers sitting in their basement playing video games all day, getting that uh, dexterity with their thumbs on the joystick, wouldn't come into the real world? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that that business will actually help out truckers first. I think we're going to see autonomous trucks first going from hub to hub, like major cities outside the major cities from a hub to a hub and then uh, to a distribution center. And then those pit trucks are picked up by actual people or drivers and then taken to where they need to go. But when you're doing a long haul from, let's say, Denver to Chicago or Kansas City or Los Angeles, you would have those autonomous trucks driven by people in a in a warehouse somewhere with their you know their joysticks like this that are you know one side playing mario brothers and the other side driving a truck (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll see I guess we'll see. All right. Well, Francesco, it's been a fascinating conversation. I, I really appreciate your time. I know it's getting late there in Germany. So thanks so much for being here and, and answering all my uh, silly questions and putting up with me. And And I, I think it's a fascinating uh, uh, business. And, and our, from Nicole, who told me to tell you, she loves the service right now. She loves the app. She's having a great time with it. She had a hard time with the car today in the snow. Uh, but that oh. wasn't the car. That was <laughs> that was the car's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's not that great of a snow driver anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Um, that, that sounds good. Uh, keep uh, keep giving us feedback, good or bad. Right. We want to know it all um, to get better every day. And uh, yeah, thanks, Jason, so much. Uh, that was fun. Thanks so much for having me. And again, if you want to contact Kite or give them a try. Uh, their website is called drivekite, K-Y-T-E dot com. Uh, it's the same if you want to contact them on Twitter and give uh, Francesco a, uh, a shout out or contact them uh, on Twitter. It's uh, drivekite, K-Y-T-E is their Twitter handle and their website as well. I think it's an interesting service. Uh, Nicole 
our morning anchor, as I said, is really raving about it because she said to me, even this morning, she goes, I just love how I can get on the app and then I can change anything I want and then have them pick up the car. I can extend it. I can do all kinds of things right here so much differently than a traditional car rental agency can. But them being the, the, the three guys that put this together, they're, they're, they're young, they're they're able to change the business as they want different than a large traditional car rental agency that has a hard time. Like I, I relate this to a cruise ship or a cargo ship compared to a, a boat, a regular a smaller boat where you have the smaller company can pivot and move and, and turn really quickly and, and, and follow the, follow the waves of the business while these bigger companies are huge ships and it takes them a while to move and to change direction but when they do you you feel it because they are they are so big but i think it's an interesting concept and and it and it will be uh, fun to, and interesting to watch and see how they grow and and i was thinking how great it would be as i said earlier to francesco to be able to have a rental car that basically is yours if you don't need to keep your stuff in it every single day and not have to pay a fee for parking it there at the at the hotel that grinds me up so much we spent um <laughs> a road trip I, I told you about the road trip a couple episodes back and and in the in when we went to Telluride and stayed in Telluride the hotel there i think the the overnight charge was 30 something dollars and they didn't even, and because I had this uh, roof carrier on top of the car, they parked it basically right there outside the front door. I could have done that for free. And there's, and, and because we're in Mountain Village there at Telluride, there's, there's, it's not like I can go park it on a street somewhere. It's just because it's own little city with no street parking anywhere. So you had to park it there at the hotel. So you are at their mercy and they could charge whatever they want and you have to pay it. Uh, unless you want to, uh, and the gondola wasn't working, I could have, I guess, taken the car down to Telluride, down to the down to the town, which is about a 15-minute drive, and then parked it there, and then taken the gondola back up the hill, and then into Mountain Village, and then walked all the way back to the hotel, which would have been a royal pain in the butt. So there, there you go. I hate that when they when the airport or when the uh, airport when the uh, hotels charge you for parking overnight. It just, I, at least, all right, maybe I, I, I'm bugged that it's such an outrageous fee in my estimation, but Hey, everything costs more now. So there you go. And I didn't mean to go on that rant. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it was nice to talk to uh, Francesco from Germany and another example of why this is the world famous driving you crazy podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you could always uh, drop me a line on the listener hotline, 303-832-0217. All the contact links I have are in the description of this show. And if you wouldn't mind, give me a, uh, especially on the Apple podcast, if you uh, give me a uh, little review, I sure would appreciate it. Anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.